Hello, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim with you again, and happy Father's Day. If you're a father or a grandfather, uh, you know this is a special day for us as we just celebrate the gifts that God has given us with our family, our wives, our children, our grandchildren. I'm not a grandfather yet, but that is one of the, one of the biggest goals of my life is to be a grandfather someday. But you know, as a, as a, as a father of five, uh, it's just such an important role that we have as men. And I just uh, want to encourage you today, if you're a father or grandfather, how important your role is for your family and for your legacy. Every bit of what we give of our lives into our children and into our grandchildren, all the morality that we're trying to you know, impress upon them, the teachings, the modeling, the you know, the example that we're trying to be, uh, the training, the skills, the, all the stuff that we try to pass on. I tell you, it is, it is one of the most important roles that we could ever have in our lives. And so thank you for doing what you're doing. If you're a father or a grandfather, a great-grandfather, keep it up. God has a special role for you right now, and you are having an incredible impact on your family. And so today is a Father's Day message. I, I wanted to uh, pick a topic that isn't just for fathers, but it is, but it's for all of us in all the positions of leadership that we're in. And I want to talk about godly leadership, godly leadership. And I want to look at what Jesus says about that. And I want to challenge each and every one of us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus because leadership is so important. Uh, everything, as John Maxwell would say, everything rises and falls on leadership. Just looking at our country today, we see the importance of leadership. When leadership is not strong or not clear or not godly, uh, things can fall apart very quickly. But when you have leadership that's strong and godly and filled with God's wisdom and uh, integrity and you can trust your leaders, Everything is lifted. Everything is, is, uh, begins to prosper and be blessed. And if you have a role of leadership right now, I want to challenge you with this message today to lead as Jesus leads, to influence as Jesus would influence, to not follow the patterns of this world, especially the patterns of bad leadership that we are surrounded by in our culture, but to look at Jesus and have an impact because our leadership is a gift from God. Whether your leadership is just as a parent or a father or a mother or a grandmother or a grand, uh, grandfather, or maybe you're a captain of a sports team in your school, or maybe you are an employer and you have employees under you, uh, or maybe you're a teacher and you have influence over a classroom of students. Whatever level of leadership you have, if you're on a committee or a board, or you're a part of a decision-making body, then you are a leader and you have influence and that influence can be godly or it can be ungodly. It can be fruitful or it can be uh, damaging. So let, I believe with all my heart that God places us in these places of position so that we can extend the kingdom of God. We can be the blessing to the, those that we're serving and those around us and we can lift people up, right? and we can establish the kingdom of God on the earth. So whatever role of leadership you're in right now, I want you to lean into this message and just be reminded, encouraged, and sharpened uh, in the ways of Jesus, okay? So the first thing about a godly leadership, and there's three different areas I wanna talk about, is really the motive and the internal uh, motive of a leader. And Jesus um, would, would put it this way, um, 
about, it's about giving of himself, right? So when Jesus says, I have a command for you, and that is to love one another as I have loved you, and then we look at how Jesus has loved us, and the Bible says that he loved us in this way, that God demonstrated his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we see that Jesus' definition of love is to give one's life away, to actually serve other people with your life. Jesus gave his life away so that we could, uh, well, we could be saved. We could come alive in him. Uh, we could be redeemed and healed. He took upon himself the punishment for our sins and, and sickness and disease and rejection and poverty and ridicule and misunderstandings and insults. And he took all of this stuff away from us to save us from that, to redeem us. So that's how he loved us. And he says, listen, I want you to love the way that I'm loving you. So the motive of godly leadership is to love people as Christ has loved us. It's to be selfless. That's the first word I want to share with you. And whether you're a father, mother, or employer, or student over a student body, a student body president, or a captain of the team, or just, you know, just uh, you have a circle of friends that you have influence with, God is calling us to be selfless, to love people, not to manipulate people, not to use people for our own benefit, but to find ways that we can give our life away to make their life better. Selfless. That's the motive of godly leadership. So Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. He's comparing the world's way with his way. He says, you know that the rulers or the leaders of the Gentiles lord it over them. In other words, they control the people and they, they abuse the people with their power. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, or Jesus is talking about himself, right? Just as I, or just as the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is turning the world's leadership style on its head. You guys all know about the pyramid idea, right? And the pyramid would be trying to get to the top of the pyramid where you're the person at the top. You have all the influence, all the power, all the authority. And that's the style of the world's leadership. Leadership is in the world's way is for self. It's self-promotion. It's if I get to the top, I have the power. I have the money. I have the control. I have the fame. I have the influence, right? And so the world is always trying to climb the ladder, right? That's one of the phrases that we use. Climbing the ladder, the corporate ladder or whatever the ladder is, to get to the top. So I am the big boss. I'm the big guy at top, right? Um, and so that's the world's style of leadership. And Jesus says, if you want to be at the top, you want to get to the top, he's like, it's opposite. I want you to go to the bottom. I want you to become the servant of everyone, not the one who is served by everyone. It is exactly the opposite of the world's model that we see all around us. Worldly leadership is for self most of the time, and it's for personal benefit. And, uh, it's, it, and the people who are in leadership in the world's mind often are there to take privilege, 
right? To gain power, to gain authority, to gain money, to gain uh, privileges and fame and, and notoriety, right? So that's the world's style. But Jesus' style is the opposite. Jesus' style of leadership is for a person to be there for the people, not for themselves, but for the people. And instead of personal benefit, it's actually personal sacrifice. It's you're giving yourself to make the people around you better. You're serving them by giving your life away. They're not serving you. And so success in the kingdom of God and in terms of Jesus' leadership is not getting and gaining more, but giving. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. It's giving. Success in the kingdom is how many people can you give your life away to, to build them up, to make them better, to establish the kingdom of God and the blessings of God in their life, right? And the world would do just the opposite. How much can I get people to help me to do my agenda, to, to make me more powerful, to make me more famous, to make me more wealthy? And it's all about gaining, gaining, gaining. And so Jesus is saying love is, uh, is the motive of godly leadership. And so, you know, this trickles down into even our family relationships. Where in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul says to husbands, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and listen to this, and gave himself up for her. And so again, a worldly marriage built on a worldly structure of, you know, leadership or authority would be the man would say, well, I'm in charge, right? I'm, I'm the head of the home and I'm in charge and I get to call all the shots. But a godly leadership example is the man would be thinking this, I'm responsible for caring for my family, my wife, and loving her and loving my children and sacrificing myself so that they will prosper and they will be blessed. And I give my life away for them like Christ has given his life away for me. You see the difference in the attitude, the difference in the, in the motive, you know? And so this is how godly leadership starts with the motive of love. And love is about giving oneself away. So be a godly leader in every area that God has placed you in a point of influence with people. You are there to love them. You are there to improve their lives. You're there to be a beacon of hope, strength, encouragement, motivation, truth. And you're there to elevate, lift up, build up the people around you. You're there to serve that group of people. Okay? That's what godly leadership looks like. All right, now the second word I want to talk about, that one was selfless. The second word I want to talk about is model. That we are to model a lifestyle uh, in sync with Jesus' lifestyle. We are to demonstrate to the people around us a godly life. This is, this is passive leadership. This is, I am going to show the people around me, the people that are closest to me, they're going to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. They're going to see the benefits that I enjoy of peace and joy and purpose and significance and health and prosperity. They're going to see the benefits of a person who has surrendered to Christ. 
because I'm going to follow Christ personally. I need to personally follow Jesus, not just talk about Jesus, right? I need to follow him as an example, as a model. So in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, uh, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's an incredibly bold statement that Paul is saying. He, but he is doing it. He's like, I am going to live my life as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to walk in his ways. I'm going to walk in his truths. I'm going to live my life this way. And now you watch me and follow my example because I'm following the example of Jesus. So Paul is saying, this is what it looks like. This is how you talk. This is how you think. This is what you do. This is the attitude you have in life. This is what you do when someone is persecuting you or criticizing you. This is how you handle stress. This is how you handle marriage. This is how you raise your kids. This is what you do with your money. You know, this is how you treat people. You see, it's flesh and blood walking it out as a model. And godly leadership is not just motivated by love for people, but it's authentically coming from our very core identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. That, you know, if my words don't match up with my actions, then I'm not going to be a good leader. We all know that. It's called hypocrisy, right? And if any of us is going to have any influence at all, we need to be authentic in our uh, walk with God. Otherwise, we're not going to be a godly leader. You guys hear what I'm saying? So again, this is personal now. This is a personal choice for me, for you, to live our lives in submission to God and to follow Him. When we do that, we become a model for other people in the grind of life, in the ups and downs of life, of how to follow Jesus and, and, and make it through and do it His way and continue to be a blessing, right? So here's some verses I want to share with you. Paul also said this in Philippians 3.17, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have, have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul's like, you see us as a model. Look at the other people around you living life as followers of Jesus. We got all these examples around us. Let's look at each other as we're following Christ and use that as a helping guide. We are to model what it looks like to follow Jesus. So am I a godly model? That's a question we should be asking ourselves. Am I a godly model for my children, uh, for my neighbors, for my family, extended family members, for my employees, for my classmates? Am I a godly model? Am I someone that should be followed? Right? Do I want others to follow my example? If not, then let God begin to really strengthen uh, your ability to live like Him. If there's an area of our life that's out of order, let's ask God to help us put it in order because our influence is going to be really proportionate to how much we are in alignment with Christ. God wants to replicate his life, not his death through us. He wants to replicate, you know, the right attitudes, the right thoughts, you know, the fruitfulness from the fruit of the spirit, not the, you know, the ego and the pride and the fallenness of man. And so the more of Jesus we can get, you know, the more that God was going to want, want to spread that influence to help other people, right? Because we replicate who we are. We, that's just, that's what we do. Not what we say, but who we are. And so when, when who we are is more like Jesus, then our lives are going to take on a more fruitfulness to those around us. 
Deuteronomy chapter 12, 28 says this, Be careful to obey all these regulations I'm giving you so that it may always, listen to this, it may always go well with you and your children after you. So, you know, God is saying, listen, when you follow me, not only will you be blessed, when you walk in my ways, not only will you experience the blessing of righteousness, because God's ways are always right, they're always perfect, and they always lead us to life. So not only will you experience that, but it will also uh, cause blessing upon your children. So as fathers, let's talk about fathers for a second. This is so important because we know that our kids, we can tell them things, but if we're not living it, then it doesn't really match up and they're not really paying attention. But when we live it, when we live our lives as a model and we are walking in the ways of God, then that blessing goes down to our children because it affects them. They see what it looks like. They create, they, they're coming under a culture of life. They are beginning to form attitudes and beliefs and behavioral patterns based on life and righteousness as opposed to the opposite. You know, we can create patterns that we've all had patterns in our lives that have come from arrogance or pride or brokenness or hurt or pain. Talking with someone this last week who was revealing just a generational curse in their family that they were struggling with. It was something that came out of pain and brokenness that one generation after another, it's three generations long now already of pain in their life because they learned it from brokenness. But just the opposite can happen in your family. The more that you let God heal you and strengthen you and that you, will, you, help, you ask God to help you walk in His ways, then there is a blessing of the, a culture of life that is being passed on to your children and your grandchildren. That's what God says. He promises that if you follow Him, it will always go well with you and your children after you because you will be doing what is right, what is good, and right in the eyes of the Lord your God. So how are you living? How am I living? How am I talking? How am I treating people? Am I honest, hardworking? Am I taking responsibility? You know, we have so many bad examples in our world right now of leaders. Leaders who are being dishonest, leaders who are deceiving people, leaders who are not taking responsibility for their decisions, blaming other people, being self-centered, selfish, being un unlistening or uncaring to the people around them. We have all kinds of horrible, bad leadership models, but God is calling us to follow Jesus. If we follow Jesus and we walk in his ways, we will be a good, godly example to those around us, a model that others can, can really pattern their lives after. And especially as fathers and grandfathers, that is one of our most important roles, is to show people how to live a godly life, to have integrity and character and honesty, to take responsibility and to apologize when we mis make mistakes, to learn from those mistakes and move forward, to mend you know, bridges, to be peacemakers, to be courageous and brave. Uh, and these are the qualities of a great godly father and a godly grandfather and a godly leader. So let's do that. The third word I want to uh, spend time on, and this will be the last one, is teach. 
So godly leadership is selfless. That's the motive of love. A godly leadership is a model for others to follow. Okay, but now teaching is where we impart our, our heart. We need to impart our heart. And teaching is using words. Teaching is more intentional than modeling. Modeling is very intentional, but it's very personal. And it's passive because it's observed, right, by the people around us. We don't even know what people are picking up from us as we're modeling our life before God, but it's happening. But then teaching is more intentional and uh, it is purposeful and it's training. And the Bible says we need to teach these, the, these ways of God to our children and to the people around us. So this is what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. As fathers and mothers, we are called to teach our children and teach our grandchildren the ways of God. And that is purposeful. That's intentional. And that's sharing uh, the reality of how God's word affects our daily life, our daily decisions, our daily priorities. Deuteronomy 4.40 says, Keep his decrees and commands, which I'm giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. All of the motive of God's commands is that you would be blessed that you, your life would be long and fruitful and prosperous. So God is saying, please follow me. If you follow me, if you follow my teaching, you will be blessed. You will have a long life. You will be prosperous. Uh, and, and, and righteousness will produce life in you and through you and around you. It is when we stray from God's commands, when we stray from God's word, when we stray from God's perfection, that we get hurt. We fall into traps. We, get, we, we cause pain, and sin happens, and evil happens, and attitude uh, you know, happens, and all of that stuff that creates division and hurt and pain and regret. So God is saying, please follow me, right? I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to give you the teaching. Please follow me, trust me, and you will be blessed and prosperous. And now, don't just follow me, but teach these ways to your children and your grandchildren. So I'm going to walk through one of my favorite passages on parenting, and it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Okay? And I'm going to do a couple of formulas for you because I have a mathematical mind, and sometimes when I'm reading scripture, I see mathematical formulas. <laughs> I know that's not very exciting to most people watching this, but you know, hopefully the, the truth of the equations will bring some inspiration to you, okay? Some encouragement to you. So let's just look at these words. Listen to these words. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you. So Moses is writing these words. God spoke to Moses and he gave him the laws or the Torah to teach to the people. So Moses says, here it is. Here's the laws, the decrees, the commands that God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that, so that you, your children, and their children after them. So did you see that? Three generations. Moses says, here's the commands God told me to teach to you so that you, your kids, and their kids, 
you, your children, and your grandchildren. So it will go well with, with all of you. Three generations of influence you are supposed to have in your family at least, at least, to teach. So teaching is for you, your children, your grandchildren, after them. And it goes on to say, after them, they uh, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. So, so this is the idea. God, God's telling us to teach our kids and our grandkids and ourselves to follow his decrees so that our kids may fear the Lord and keep his, his decrees or keep his ways. When we fear God, we put him first in our life, and we keep his ways. Here's the equation. Fearing God plus keeping God's ways uh, and it goes on to say, so that you may enjoy a long life. Here's my equation. Fearing God, keeping his ways equals enjoying a long life. If you want your kids to prosper, you want your kids to enjoy a long life, you need to teach them to fear God, right? And to keep his ways. Because God is saying, if you fear me and you keep my ways, you will enjoy a long life. That's what parenting's all about. I mean, listen, we all agree, all of us parents, we want to see our kids have a good life. And so we're trying to figure out how to help them. And God is telling us right here is to teach them to fear God and to keep his ways. All right? Now, we all make mistakes and there's training involved. It takes training to follow God's ways. It takes training to be an honest person. <laughs> I remember when I lied one time, my dad figured out I was lying, he trained me not to lie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't get beat up or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But I mean, we had a talk and I knew I really disappointed my dad. And he shared with me how important it is to be truthful and how hurtful it was to him that I lied to him. And it had an impression on my heart. He caught me in a lie and he trained me that that is wrong and that is not how we do things as Hobson's. Do you hear what I'm saying? So there's training involved and we need to teach our children the ways of God. First of all, we need to know the ways of God and model it ourselves, but then we need to teach it. All right, so it goes on to say this, the next verse, hear Israel and be careful to obey. So here's the new equation, obedience equals, all right, so it goes, it says hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you so obedience equals blessing, and that you may increase greatly, and it, obedience, obedience equals blessing and increase, in a land flowing with milk and honey, which is prosperity. So when we obey God's word, we are blessed, we have increase, and we will have prosperity. And the Bible says that when you do that, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you, that that obedience, following his ways, creates that blessing, the increase and the prosperity in your life. And just the opposite happens, we know. When we're not following God, we are not, we're not walking in blessing. We're not walking in prosperity. Things begin to fall apart. Things begin to break up. Relationships break up. Uh, we make bad decisions. We, we pay for consequences, right? And so God wants you to be blessed and he wants your children and your grandchildren to be blessed and increase and be prosperous. Okay, the passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 6 goes on to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So this is the number one command that Jesus quoted to the, uh, his listeners and the Pharisees of, of the time. He said, you know, Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? And he quoted this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Let's look at that for a second. To love God with all your heart, to me, is in the inner core of who you are, in the deepest parts of your identity, instead of ego, instead of pride, there is Jesus. We talk about this a lot, who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And when I think about heart, we're not talking about the organ that pumps blood to the organs of the body. We are talking about the deepest inner identity of who we are as people, as humans. And in there, there's either an ego, a self-identity, or there is Jesus, a Jesus, a son of God identity. And to love God with all your heart is to surrender your heart the deepest inner part of your identity to God, to Jesus. That's why when we're children, most of the time, if you grew up at church, people will say to give your heart to Jesus. That's what they're really saying, is to give the, the deepest, most uh, core identity of who you are to surrender that to God, to surrender it to Jesus. So to love the Lord your God with all your heart, is to have Christ as your Lord and Savior, to surrender your identity to Him, and to be made new from the inside out. goes on to say to love the Lord your God with all your soul. Now your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So God wants to train us how to love Him with our mind. Our mind is our intellect. It's our thoughts. And not all of our thoughts are godly. And not all of our thoughts agree with God's Word. So who needs to change? Our thoughts or the Word of God? Our thoughts. So to love the Lord your God with all your soul is to allow God to change your mind, to change your mind according to his word right here. We have all kinds of crazy, destructive, evil, and wrong thoughts in this world right now. And some of you, well, that's just how I feel. That's just my opinion. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what your thoughts are, your opinion. I want to know what God's thoughts are. Because that's truth. And so we can't get caught up in political parties. We can't get caught up in social uh, agendas and uh, trends and culture and, and begin to let our thoughts stray from God's truth and start believing a worldly perspective on an issue. No, we can't do that. That's, that's not godly. That's not loving God with all of your soul. It's not loving God with all of your thoughts. To love God with all your thoughts is allow God to change your mind to line up with his truth and his word, right? So you have your mind, your intellect, you have your will, which is your decisions. Some of you say, well, I just want to do it this way. But that's not loving God with all of your will. That's not loving God with all of your soul. My will needs to be surrendered to his will. My decisions need to flow from his direction, not my feelings, not my thoughts, not, what, not the popular agenda of the day, but my decisions, my will, needs to, needs to agree with God's will. So I need to surrender my will to God all the time. All the time. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Right? And we need to say the same thing. That's what love looks like. To love God with all your soul is allow Him to change your mind and allow Him to control your will. To surrender your will, your decisions, to Him. And then finally, we have emotions or feelings. 
in our soul. And, uh, and we need to love God with our emotions. And we need to allow God to heal our emotions. And, and we do that by following his directions. And when we're hurt, we forgive. Uh, and we, we, we release that pain. And we release that anger. And we allow God to heal our soul. So we need to love God with our emotions as well. And then finally, it says, love God with all your strength. To me, that is your physical life. It's your body. It's your time. It's your breath. It's your skills. It's your energy. It's your resources. It's your money. It's, to, it's the physical stuff that God has blessed us with. To love God with all of our strength is physical. I'm going to do things for God. I'm going to love God with the day that I have, with this physical day that I'm, I'm here, with the physical resources I have, with my abilities that God has given me, with the strength He's given me. I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. I'm going to put my strength to use serving God and serving His purposes. I hope that makes sense to you because this is the practical part of the faith that we have that we need to be teaching and passing on to our children and grandchildren. Our faith is not just intellectual things or just coming to church. It is every part of our existence. And we need to model and teach to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our inner core, our identity, with all of our soul, our intellect, our mind, our will, our emotions, and all of our strength, with our day, with our life, with our hands, with our resources. And that's what God's calling us to do. And that's what God is calling us to impart to our children and our grandchildren. To impart our heart. The faith needs to be imparted. needs to be pressed in. Okay? So it goes on to say in this passage, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Our hearts are to be filled with God's teaching. Our hearts are to be filled with God's way, with God's love, with God's presence. And then the Bible says, impress them on your children. This is like a potter working with wet clay. And we are molding that clay. So our hands are upon our kids' hearts. And we're molding their hearts one moment at another throughout our day-to-day activities. And it's coming out of us because it's in us. It's real in us. And so it comes out of us in everyday activities. Because it goes on to say, talk about them, these ways of God. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, when you're at the grocery store, when you're on vacation, when you're in your home, when you're taking them to school, when you're at the, after the game, you know, you're to be talking about God's ways, not in a religious way, just in a real way. Just in a real way of experiencing God uh, together and showing like Jesus did in nature and everywhere he was, just reflecting on God and teaching the people who God is. So are we as parents to do that. And it says, tie them as symbols. God's word, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, this is how I look at it. Tie them as symbols on your hands. That's what you do. What do you do with your hands, right? Bind them on your foreheads. How do you think? Put God's word, make that how you think and how you believe. Write them on the door frames of your houses. To me is how do you live? We are going to live according to God's word. And then on your gates, that is about your decisions. What decisions are you making? How, what, what you allow in and what you keep out of your life, your decisions. And so God's word is to be all of these things. It's just to be integrated into every part of our life. So I want to finish this message just by bringing this all the way back to Jesus. Because he's always the answer, right? 
Jesus is the answer. I want to show you how he is in this particular way of teaching for a godly leadership. The word for teaching in the scriptures is a word in Hebrew called Torah. I've mentioned this before. It's been a while. It's called Torah. Torah is four letters. It's Tav, Vav, uh, Resh, and He. And in Hebrew language, uh, we have letters, and those letters come from pictures. And sometimes it's fun to look at the pictures that represent the letters and look at a story that that word is trying to share. And I want to do that with you with Torah. So Tav is a picture of a cross or two sticks that are crossed. So think about that, the cross. Vav is a picture of a tent peg or a nail or it connects things. So we have a cross, we have a nail. Resh is the head of a man or the first or the highest, or it can be, as I'm going to use it in this example, a prince. And I'm going to say Resh in this example is the prince of heaven, the greatest, highest one in heaven, which is Jesus. So we have a cross, we have a nail, we have Jesus, and then we have hay, which is sometimes translated um, with a man with his, with his arms up, looking up, almost to say, look, or behold. And it's also um, known to be a, a picture of grace. So Torah, the teaching that we are talking about here, the ways of God, actually broken down into pictographic uh, definition would be to the cross is nailed the prince of heaven. Behold him. This is the grace of God. This just blows me away. Listen to me. All of the rules, all the de decrees, all the laws in the Bible, all these things we're supposed to be passing on to our children is not to be religious laws. I'm telling you right now, the Torah itself is a picture of Jesus. What you are to be imparting into your children and grandchildren is a relationship with Jesus. When we have a relationship with Jesus, all of these laws or decrees or whatever that can seem religious at times, all of that stuff is already coming with Jesus into our heart. He changes us from the inside out. Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, fills us with love, not religion. And there's an internal power through His Holy Spirit, an internal motivation to follow in the ways of God, that's what we need. We do not need the outside motivation of religion. We need the internal motivation of relationship, the love of God into our children and grandchildren. The things that I have seen parents, religious people do that has caused the most trouble or hurt to children is trying to impose on the outside religious expectations and laws of God without a relationship with Jesus. That's the one of the worst, I, I think it's the worst thing you can do because what people do with that kind of model is they reject it altogether and they think that that's God. And so they're walking away from God before they've even met Him. What they've met is religion and heavy handedness and condemnation and, and this religiousness. And that's not what you're supposed to be passing on to your kids or your grandkids. You're supposed to be passing on the love of God, a relationship with Jesus. 
In fact, all of the commands are actually Jesus. They're him himself. He said this in John chapter 5, verses 39 to 40. He's talking to some religious people all right, who are doing the outside in instead of the inside out. And he says this to them. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, in the scriptures, through these rules, you have eternal life. And then Jesus says this, these are the very scriptures that testify or talk about or point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Do you see what Jesus is saying? If we're not careful, we can make a religion out of this and we miss him. He's saying, don't miss me. All of this stuff is to bring you to me. And once you have me, you have life. You have eternal life. We have everything that you need. And when Jesus is Lord of your heart, when he's the center core of your identity, then the Spirit of God comes in you and trains you and equips you to live life like him. John 1.14 says, The Word, this Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. It says here, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. In other words, the Word of God in flesh is Jesus. Is Jesus. And he came full of grace and full of truth. I want to invite you to know Jesus, not religion, to know Jesus. The greatest thing you can do to be a godly leader is to have a vibrant, loving relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you begin to impart Jesus everywhere you go. And yes, uh, it involves selfless, selfless life, but you can't do that without Jesus inside of you, right? It involves modeling this life of God, but you can't do that without Him being inside of you. And it involves teaching or imparting, really, imparting who, who you really are to your children and those around you and those that are influencing, uh, that you can influence. But you can't do that without the Spirit of God inside of you because of your relationship with Jesus. So this whole message really hinges on do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? I want to invite you right now to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to give Him the core of your identity, to surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. If you do, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. You'll be forgiven of your sins and you can be a godly leader and your life can be fruitful to impacting eternity. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you and I declare that you are now Lord of my life. I give my heart to you. I surrender to you and I thank you that you love me and you came to save me and to forgive me, and to redeem me, and restore me. I'm all yours in your name. Amen. Amen. And now, God, I just pray that you fill my brother or sister right now with your spirit. You fill them to overflowing with your love and peace and joy. You begin to undo the pain and hurt of their past. You begin to break off the chains that have bound them, the, the wrong labels that they've lived under, God, that you will renew them, redeem them, refresh them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 I want to bless all of you before I go. I also want to remind you that uh, Amy and I are going to be going on a six-week sabbatical starting this next week. So I won't see you for a little while. But I'm praying that you'll continue to grow in your faith as, as we get some rest and get refreshed as well. And so let me pray the blessing of the Lord upon you and your family. And uh, again, happy Father's Day to those of you who are watching that are fathers and grandfathers. 
uh, I'm so proud of the way that you are choosing to live your life and, and leave a legacy of life and love for your family. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Let your life be fruitful for him and be a godly leader.